0: Hope maybe even for us. We need a lot more people raising the ruckus. Start making a fuss. Start giving up. And get out into the streets and
1: there may be hope. Hello, you're listening to KUBU, Low Power FM Radio in Sacramento. This is the voice, the voice of Sacramento. You can find KUB locally at 96.5 on your FM dial. You can also listen to the station on the internet accesssacramento.org. This program is The Climate Report and I'm your host Dale Steele, We're on weekly at this day and time. The program is brought to you by 350 Sacramento, a local climate action group inspired by 350.org. I'll be your host and each program will provide you with local, regional and national news about climate change as well as local calendar events, interviews and more. For more details, including past radio programs, or if you have questions or comments, please visit 350sacramento.org. Happy New Year! And what a year it will be, filled with hope, courage, and many climate actions, too. There's something very exciting brewing, and 350 Sacramento is part of it, so let's make 2019 the year of climate action, the year that we begin to turn this crisis around. This is no time for half measures or delaying tactics. We need to immediately implement the many climate solutions already available to us and find new innovative solutions. We need to declare a climate emergency and provide the resources necessary for the urgent transition to a fossil-free fuel world. We need to create a Green New Deal that combines climate justice with climate action. We need to be well on our way to carbon zero in a decade. This is our challenge and our resolution. Let's do it. The 2019 350 Sacramento will accelerate efforts to speed up the equitable transition to carbon zero. That includes participating in the Mayor's Commission on Climate Change, starting a youth team to empower young people, supporting the changes in both personal lifestyles and public policy, continuing current efforts to make regional climate action plans bolder and more effective, improve our mobility system, keep fossil fuels in the ground, increase local resilience to climate change, and connect with others working on the many aspects of climate justice. We've been building a local climate movement. This is the year it takes off, so find your niche, find your passion, and join in. Upcoming meetings include the 350 Sacramento annual meeting on Wednesday, January 9th, and all are welcome. This is a great time to learn about 350 Sacramento's past accomplishments and future plans. Share your ideas about what you would like to do, what you'd like to see us work on, and get involved. 6 p.m. January 9th, 909 12th Street. And it's Forum Time. Help plan and organize the 2019 Community Forum, tentatively scheduled for March 16th with the titles to be determined. The theme of the forum will be urgency and overcoming barriers to carbon zero. This will be 350 Sacramento's fourth town hall community forum, and each of these has helped move the climate conversation forward. Volunteers are needed to help with outreach, media, sponsorships, speakers setup and breakdown, and more. So volunteer for the kickoff meeting on January 8th. 909 12th Street. And the transportation team is meeting on January 2nd. Find out how you can help change transportation funding in our community, 6 p.m. at the 350 Sacramento office, 909 12th Street. And a youth team will be forming soon. We're excited to announce the creation of a youth team to help young people find their voices on climate. First event will be in late January or early February. If you're interested in helping plan or organize the event, please contact Lori at info at 350sacramento.org. The climate report today. We're going to get a little taste from the Hip Hop Caucus' award winning Think 100%. This is the coolest show on climate change, and we're going to learn about the energetic Sunrise Movement, who are working to get the massive fossil fuel contributions out of the political process and endorsing the Green New Deal as a way forward for environmental justice and climate change. 350 Sacramento hopes to partner with the local Sunrise Movement hub, creating an effective way for youth engaging on climate and environmental justice issues. I strongly encourage I encourage listeners out there to catch think100.info regularly as they take the boring and depressing and scary out of climate change so that it isn't something you'd rather ignore. Think 100% is a show, an experience, and a community sharing on how exciting, inspiring, and powerful saving our climate really is. Later in the show, we've got a short segment on how net zero buildings offer a way to get our built environment on track to carbon zero with direct application here in Sacramento. And finally, Time Allows we will include a segment on the case for a strong global carbon tax and the good it would do. First up, I hope everyone had a great holiday season as we get back to work now, but the minor birds are going to remind us all we really want is the truth. Later in the show, we'll hear Antonique Smith, one of the MCs on Think 100% as she performs Here Comes the Sun. And now, find some shelter and get ready. It's time for the Climate Report.
2: starting up
0: Welcome to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. I am Mustafa Santiago Ali, Senior Vice President of the Hip Hop Caucus. Welcome to our radio show and podcast that delivers real talk on climate change and environmental justice. No sides, just the facts and stronger communities.
2: Hey, and I am Antonique Smith. Grammy nominated singer, actress, and activist, aka your favorite artist.
3: All right, <laughs> and I am Terrence T.C. Muhammad, the community outreach manager for the Hip Hop Caucus, representing North Carolina Agricultural right. and Technical State University. Aggie. <laughs> And that's just a shout out to our CEO and president, who's a bison, Reverend Yearwood.
0: (laughs) And thank you to WPFW for hosting us here in the studios. And a big thank you for all of our listeners who tune in each week. And we love all of our
3: supporters so much. And definitely check us out, the show's blog on think100.info. And be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Think 100 show. Yeah, that's TC Muhammad y'all being real smooth
0: and real cool. And we have an incredible show, don't we, Antonique?
4: Uh (laughs) We have
0: three incredible champions for the environment and climate on the show today. They are going to share some critical information on upcoming actions to protect our children and our communities from the impacts of climate change and how we can win together. Also, this was a huge, huge event that happened last night. Senator Bernie Sanders did his thing. He held down a national town hall about the climate and the global threat that's going on around climate change and the solutions that can protect our planet from devastation and create tens of millions of good-paying jobs. Now, Senator Sanders was joined by a number of friends of Think 100%, including 350.org's Bill McKibben, the founder and incredible author, also actress, activist, uh, and Our Revolution board member Shailene Woodley, CNN Host and Arthur Van Jones, everybody knows Van, and Earth Guardians Youth Director Shustat Martinez, and Congresswoman elect Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, and the Union of Concerned Scientists Director of Climate Science, Dr. Brenda Equazel, and more. So you got to see this, you got to check it out. Go to YouTube, uh, just go over to their Twitter page, uh, on our Twitter page at Think 100 Show, and you'll find all the information that will link you there. But with that being said, TC and Antonique, um, I want to appreciate all that was a lot of important information. And of course, Uh Bernie's Town Hall was just lit. Um, And we just want to thank them for, for all they're doing. But let me share this with you. There was an organization that everybody kept saying all night. So some of y'all, maybe one or two of y'all, TC, Antique, there might be one or two people in the country right now who don't know who the Sunrise Movement is. Really, Mustafa? They really don't know? That's what I'm saying. I don't know how they don't know, TC, but they better better get it together and wake up real quick because, you know, the Sunrise Movement is doing their thing. Um, And the worst thing is that we actually have them in the show, on the show, right here today.
3: In the building. That's what we have. Yes, we do. So let's
0: bring these three amazing young leaders into our conversation. They are making some major waves across the country fighting for solutions to address climate change and inequality. I have next to me Diana J. I have Dwight uh, Wilson and I have Marcella Mulholland. Everyone welcome them to Think 100% the coolest show on climate change.
4: Thanks so much good, for, good, having good.
0: Us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Alright, so we're about to jump right in it. Um, So, Diana, we're going to start with you. All right. Diana, can you share with folks what is the Sunrise Movement and why was it started?
5: Yeah, of course. So, Sunrise is building an army of young people to stop climate change and create millions of good jobs in the process. And I appreciate Antonique starting us off back at COP24, and that's happening right now, because that's Mm -hmm. a lot for me where my story with Sunrise began, I led mm. uh, a U.S. youth delegation to COP21 and uh, spent so much energy leading up to that to that summit and to creating the Paris Climate Agreement. And when that gavel fell, the young people who were over there felt this sense of oof, like we're so far Mm -hmm. away from meeting those goals. And for me that was a moment of committing at the end of 2015 to building a movement here in the United States who could carry that fight forward. So that is what we set out to do. I I found a bunch of teammates, teammates found me, Mm -hmm. and we knew that we needed a plan and a community that could Mm -hmm. carry this fight forward that both had a strategy to build political power that would fight for us putting people into office like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who had championed the bold ideas that we need and we need to build the people power that is going to actually change this country. That's what it looked like when we took Congress a, a few weeks ago and sat in Pelosi's office was that showing of people power. So we, uh, Sunrise is setting out to do that and we launched in 2017 and gave ourselves the name Sunrise because that actually felt like a really dark moment mm. in America, right? It was mm. a really confusing and hard time recognizing. Of the new the direction that our country was going, and so we said, We're, we're building the sunrise movement. Uh, we can change this country and this world, sure as the sun rises each morning.
1: It's a You're listening to KUBU, low power FM radio in Sacramento. This is The Voice, The Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUB locally at 96.5 on your FM dial, or you can also listen to the station on the internet, AccessSacramento.org. This program is the Climate Report. I'm your host, Dale Steele. Well, we've had a number of incredible
2: youth organizations making real change happen, like Zero Hour, Defend Our Future, and you guys the sunrise movement. And you know it's just it's it's incredibly inspiring. So from your perspective, why are young people stepping up right now? why is this movement ha- why is that the young people movement happening
5: yeah absolutely so you know the conversation i think around the climate and environmental movement for so long it felt it was this conversation about future generations right and i think young people have woken up and said hey we are those future generations and climate change is here right now and it's getting worse mm-hmm. every single day and you know, we look around us and we see right now, the American West is choking in smoke and wildfires have literally burnt down entire towns. And I, I come from a coastal community, coastal Virginia. All across coastal communities, people live in fear of the next storm. And we, we see climate change here here right now. And it's, it's not about something very far away. And I think that's why young people are waking up and getting in the streets and building building a movement because we know that we don't have a moment to waste. We also see that we do have the solutions to stop climate change. It's really a a political problem that's standing in our way uh, Mm -hmm. of politicians who are taking money from fossil fuel executives, front groups, and lobbyists, and uh, our generation is now the largest voting bloc, right? That's Mm -hmm. exciting, and so we actually hold the power in our hands to change the direction of this country, and we're ready to step to that challenge.
0: Well, you are listening to Think 100%, the coolest. Watching the town hall last night, and the hot issue was the Green New Deal. Whoa. Everybody is talking about that. So, Diane, I'm going to come to you. You guys feel free to chime in also. But we want to actually just break it down for our listeners. You know, what are the main elements of the Green New Deal? Um, Let's do it so Mrs. Ramirez and Mr. Johnson can understand why we are all so, you know, incredibly excited about the possibilities of making sure that this is a reality. So, Diane, we're going to start with you.
5: Sure. Yeah, I'll break it down for for Mr. Johnson. (laughs) What is a Green New Deal? We're seeing this question a lot, and we've been very successful at throwing this demand onto the national radar, onto the radar of members of Congress in the last few weeks, a short span. And a Green New Deal is based off of the values that everyone has a right to good jobs, to safe communities, to clean air and clean drinking water in a livable planet for, for now and for future generations. And what it would do is it is a massive transition plan that would ensure a just transition to 100% renewable energy Mm -hmm. that includes programs to retain workers and offer good paying jobs and living wages to protect workers in that transition, so it is the plan that measures up to what science is so alarmingly yeah. telling us we need to do to address climate change, and measures measures up to uh, to measures of justice and equity as well. Saying so we have to protect the communities who are most hit by this crisis as well. So
0: let's slow that down for folks. And make sure yeah. that everybody who's driving and listening, let's let's go back to a just <laughs> transition. Talk to folks again about what is a just transition. What does that look like? Why is that Important. how's that different uh, than some of the other things that have been in the past?
5: Yeah, of course. So, just transition is central to a Green New Deal. And, and that, to me, really means two main things. One is that uh, the people who work in the current energy economy should be given the support to transition into renewable energy jobs. And that uh, and good paying union jobs. And so actually the provision of the Green New Deal that I'm the most excited about is what we're calling the Federal Jobs Guarantee, which would actually guarantee a job to every American who wants one. Where There is so much good work that needs to be done right now to address the urgent threat of climate change. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for anybody to be out of a job. And so we uh. want to see a Federal Jobs Guarantee that puts America back to work to stop climate change. The other part of a just transition is reckoning with the reality that climate change does not hit everyone equally. Mm -hmm. And there are communities because of pollution, because of sea level rise, that are feeling the burden much harder. And that those communities should have strong weight and influence in the kind of plan that is put forward to transition our economy and our society and be very included in that process.
0: Would that be communities with environmental injustices or those communities that we often label as environmental justice communities? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Mm -hmm. definitely. And what are some of those other, other additions elements of the Green New Deal. I know there's some uh, work also around infrastructure, because, you know, everybody wants to talk about infrastructure now. In many instances, they're talking about roads and bridges. I'm sure the Green New Deal wants to take a a slightly different, uh, you know, sort of direction in in bringing that into the process.
5: Yeah, infrastructure is a a big topic now in many different directions, and there is much that needs to be built in the new energy economy. And we know right now that the fastest growing industries are in wind and solar, and there is that is just the start of it, that there is so much new infrastructure to be built that actually brings us to 100% renewable energy. That is, you know, we say this a lot, 100% renewable energy. Y'all say this all the time. Yeah. It's the name of your show. <laughs> That's huge. That is a huge <laughs> scale of action. We're talking about powering an entire country and world with a, a different form of of energy than when we've relied, relied on. So the Green New Deal is really measuring up to the scale that that is actually going to be and, and including that in, in the infrastructure packages that we're seeing uh, in, in Congress that are a priority, that that means no new fossil fuel infrastructure as well, mm-hmm. and putting an immediate halt to transition to that to grid renewable energy. Mm-hmm.
0: So I want to go back to, because you know for me, um, protecting lives is, is paramount. Um, But in many instances, what gets people's attention sometimes is the economics, is the opportunity to create the jobs. Uh, Dwight, you come from Philly. How important is, you know, in, you know, making sure that there are some jobs for folks who've been struggling and looking for an opportunity?
6: I think it's crucially important. I think that's one of the main focuses that a lot of people in rural, I'm not rural, I'm sorry, but urban areas will uh, definitely resonate with is having an opportunity to be be guaranteed direct employment by the federal government to help in this transition that is absolutely critical for, you know, continued human longevity. I think that people in the city could definitely be enthused and and very definitely used and come along and and be a part of this transition from a destructive energy uh, economy to a very renewable and 100 percent sustainable one.
3: Eight eight zero eight nine three TC. No, no, I just wanted to go back because one of the things um, that we just mentioned that is so basic, and like you said, when Miss Johnson and just your neighbor can understand the fact that we saying that we want to fight this green deal, green new deal, is fighting for everybody to have clean water and clean air. Mm-hmm. That implies that everybody doesn't have clean air and clean water. Um, that's the saying. That's basic that's fundamental. That's human rights. Um, mm-hmm. So it just seem that as we're an uh, organization that's non, uh, non-partisan, that, that's across the board. That's a, just a human right for everybody to have decent and clean air and clean water. And that's a global issue. So I just think I, I love Sunrise because I want to see the sunrise <laughs> around the world <laughs> for us to have that, that that reality made. thing is going to look like.
0: Antonique, uh, before we go to the phones, I know that you have been on a number of the tours that the cockpit has done over the years and you've seen uh, some of these impacts inside of communities. You want to share just a little bit about some of the things you've seen?
2: Oh my god. Uh, Yeah, just people are dying. Like right here in LA there's people who live 200 feet away from oil drilling sites. Now just imagine you're a teenager looking outside your window and there's men working in hazmat suits right outside your window but you don't have a hazmat suit on. Like, that's unbelievable. And and they're not even paying these people's doctor bills. Like, people are getting sick from the toxins that are coming right outside their window, and they're not even getting help. In Chicago, we we saw a a Koch Brothers plant, and people live right across the street from it. And I met a young man who had leukemia. Um, And there's a park that people are playing in right outside the Koch Brothers plant where there's some kind of mist... I'm trying to think this. I mean, honestly, I have so many examples. In in Chicago, there's this apartment building that's it has been built on top of a landfill, an old landfill, and there's toxins that are going from up, up underground into the to whole community. And there's a wall, and I thought the wall with all these names written was, you know, Our over Gail here in Chicago, it's gun violence. And it's right. So I'm thinking that these are all names, thousands of names of people who died from gun violence. It was people from this one community who died from the pollution that they were breathing mm-hmm. from from the toxins that were coming up mm-hmm. under from the ground and, and, and the, the communities in a food desert they had to go miles to get fresh, fresh food so honestly it's a lot going on I personally grew up in a, a town that's only 10 miles away about 10 miles away from a, a power plant and I went to Flint I, I tested water in Flint part of Mark Ruffalo's water defense and we tested water in Flint you know, it's so much going on all over all over the world, honestly. But those are some of the things I've seen.
0: Yeah, and actually Hazel Johnson, the m-
4: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Well, you guys, uh, I have a kind of a two-part question here. <laughs> I know you all were instrumental in getting many politicians to take the no fossil fuel money Ooh. pledge. <laughs> how did that go? That's one part. So how did that go? And then the second part of my question is, what is next for the Sunrise Movement? Yeah,
5: sure. That it went well. We moved uh, <laughs> over 1,300 candidates to take the no fossil fuel money pledge, which means that they have pledged to reject money from fossil fuel CEOs, front groups, and an industry, and they have committed to actually stand up for our home, our health, and our future. And for me, that's such an important piece to understanding where this Green New Deal came from and why we have this big new momentum is because all throughout this year, we have been fighting to push candidates from the beginning of the year in the primary elections to put in in office people who actually will fight for us. And and Marcella and Dwight uh, and myself and a lot of the work of Sunrise this whole year was just doing that really hard work of knocking on doors, and showing up at people's offices and pushing them to, to to champion and be the champions that we needed. And so a lot of people found out about us when we took Nancy Pelosi's office by storm. <laughs> and we want folks to see that back work, that, that hard work that's been happening all year that led up to that. Yeah, maybe pass it over to Dwight. I'll talk a little bit with, there's a lot to the answer of where we're going next and I want to tell people about uh, our next big wave of action, but I also want to have you share a little bit about Sunrise Hubs and what that means to get involved locally.
6: Yeah, definitely. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's been a whirlwind of, of different activities and events and and canvassing and door knocking and mm. and, and questioning people about their political beliefs and, and who they support and why. And joining the Sunrise Movement and being a fellow and activist and organizer with the Sunrise Movement, I got my fir- uh, first hand experience and, and actually talking to people and going out into communities especially uh, communities in South Philly who are affected by, you know, large uh, gas and oil industries and corporations like PES, who are uh, some of the most uh, biggest and polluters uh, on the East Coast. That was really a different perspective for me to focus on the people who are directly affected by these issues and what they want to see going forward into their lives and in their businesses and in, and in their homes and communities. It was really uh, an enlightening experience and a really uh, educational experience to be able to talk to people who I, I normally wouldn't because <laughs> uh, we may be at a political view uh, uh, and odds. And that was really, uh, how should I say, a cher- a cherishing moment to be able to be a part of the American politics system like that i went out and we did campaign work for different candidates who we we like to call uh, climate champions that have taken the no fossil fuel money pledge like diana explained earlier and we went around and we told the the neighborhoods and various communities that we did canvassing in and we told them about that and a lot of people were like yeah i want i want you know politicians who who have a backbone and, and reject and decline you know to be in the pockets of, you know, these, these these mega corporations and these billionaires because it is directly affecting them. In their livelihood. Mm-hmm. So that was very, that was a very, very...
3: You know, that you're not just on the Hill uh, um, lobbying and talking, but you're actually in the communities talking to the people. So when you go to the congressional um, houses and you go to the politician, you're really truly speaking for the people because you're having real conversations with real live people about this concern. So I, I appreciate that.
5: Yeah, thank you. And thank and you. we call those Sunrise Hubs. So what Dwight is talking about and the hard work of talking to people, taking it to community, that is the back bone of our movement and mm-hmm. we need to continue to grow that out and so we have a community, a network of of hubs where we support each other to build out that movement in our homes and each place that looks different. So if folks wanna join Sunrise in the long haul, we would love to work with y'all. You can start a Sunrise hub. We say it just takes three people to start a hub and, and then it, that grows over time. So that's the long game and we're in this fight for the years ahead. In the short term, uh, I wanna invite everyone to come to D.C. Uh, with us. We. Have huge momentum right now, and we are really making making history and, and changing the game
4: right now. Sure, yeah. Uh, you want to jump in? Uh, yeah, I can say something. <laughs> Go ahead. So, no shade, but it's 2018, <laughs> and if you say you take climate change seriously and you still don't think that it's obvious you should be rejecting money from fossil fuel billionaires, then. Your position on climate change is a little questionable. Okay.
2: Okay. okay. Now. Well.
4: So we we really need the Democratic Party to make a statement that they do stand with working people across this country and not fossil fuel billionaires, and mm-hmm. just very simply say we are banning fossil fuel money, mm. and that will set the stage for a 2020 presidential election where we'll have candidates that the, it'll be like a litmus test, like if you are going to. Be a climate champion, then you can't, you have to take this pledge. All right.
0: And I'll carry it away for that. So, you know, <laughs> when you know better, do better. Yeah. And, and we're going to leave it right there. So, I want to talk also about the organization. Um, and Rev and I often talk about, and Antonique, um, about, you know, we have green labeled organization that often the diversity does not reflect what America looks like. Mm. Mm. I want to know if you all were intentional, because Diane, I know you are a co-founder, of making sure that when the organization started, that the leadership and and membership shown women, shown people of color as a driver in the process. What was the thinking back then? Was it intentional?
5: Yeah, absolutely intentional. And I also think it's different in our generation like it's it's not like we need to go out there and pick the right people it's mm. actually just talking about what the issues really mean because we see and our generation sees climate change and and sees it as a very personal threat and it involves us personally and it's different than i think a lot of the stories that have been inherited about the i guess quote larger environmental movement mm-hmm. which is kind of protecting things outside of people or outside of us and so we you mm. see this mm. and we see climate change as women's issues and as people's issues and affecting us right here so we are seeing all different kinds of young people show up to this cause and uh, and that's really exciting so uh, we we work hard to make sure that the right voices are heard and the people who have powerful stories about how they're being impacted by this crisis have the mic in this movement and can share those stories. But people are, are really showing up to do that.
6: Mm-hmm. Y'all wanna chime in? Yeah, um, I agree everything what Diane just said. <laughs> it, 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 it stilled in me, it was almost beating me <laughs> at a certain point mm-hmm. and you know, and. It, it, it's still shocking to say that, you know, there's still inequalities and, and injustice issues and environmental issues that still have to be fought for it to this day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it's frustrating at the same time. It's joyful because I see the end game and the end game is a world where we all can like do what we want in a, in a world that's going to continue to be there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And incredible. the threat of that can virtually be eliminated by, you know, this simple ideas such as a green new dough no doubt mm-hmm. no doubt.
3: you know and Mustafa I just had to jump in here because one of the things uh, that Diane just said which is very powerful is that there's this image of climate change where we're going out and we're trying to hold this ice cap together or we're mm-hmm. just always want to hug a tree <laughs> um, and that's okay but the reality is how does this relate to me personally yeah. as we said young people know how to use the language of intersectionality mm-hmm. and bridging and that's one of the things we at the Hip Hop Caucus are all Always trying to do is break down the silos. Yeah. Climate change affects all of us. And we say Black lives matter. Stop killing us. Stop shooting us. Well, at the same time, we stop polluting our air. We're dying. Mm-hmm. So Eric Garner got choked out by our physical police, but he was already getting choked out by the air quality in Staten mm-hmm. Island. Yes. Uh, yeah. And we saw what eventually happened to his daughter because they were still killing us. You didn't see physical cops, but the bullies are still out there. So when you're talking about these climate champions, we want to make sure uh, you're talking this good game. <laughs> But you're lacing your pockets uh, with our oppressor, and we can't have that. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Just speaking more on the intersection between racial justice and climate change, something that happened this past year that was really deeply disturbing and speaks to the intersection of these issues was um, there was a hurricane. I don't I don't remember which one. There's so many now. Um, <laughs>
0: All right. And I want to thank the Sunrise Movement for being with us yeah. for the incredible yes. work yeah. you guys continue to do each and every day. Thank you all for tuning in to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Rev Yearwood, we miss you. We know you're holding it down in New York. That's right. And now we are about to go out with our co host, Antonique Smith's song, Here Comes the Sun.
2: Here comes the sun, little darling. Here comes the sun, and I say it's all right, little darling. It's been a
3: This is Reverend Lennox Yearwood Jr. And this is Mustafa Santiago Ali. We hope you enjoy this episode of Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. We have more episodes featuring stimulating conversations with some of today's most important and hottest figures in the climate and environmental movement and beyond.
0: Rev and I invite you to continue listening to more episodes and subscribe to our podcast. Visit think100.info for more. We're opening up a dialogue on climate change and would love for you to join the conversation. So subscribe now. And also don't forget to follow us on social media at Think 100 Show
7: and at Hip Hop Caucus.
3: Thanks again and keep listening.
7: I'm Dr. Anthony Leizowitz and this is Climate Connections. Many office and apartment owners are zeroing in on the carbon pollution caused by their building's operations. Those who are really ambitious are working towards net zero emissions. And if they succeed, they have a new way to let the public know. This fall, the U.S. Green Building Council announced a net-zero certification for buildings that prevent as much carbon pollution as they cause. Elizabeth Beardsley of the Green Building Council says when evaluating a building, the organization will assess its energy use.
4: As well as transportation associated, whether it's a residential property or commuting for an office building...
7: They'll compare that to the energy a building produces with solar or other renewables and evaluate how much carbon pollution is prevented when that clean energy is fed back to the grid. Beardsley says the certification is timely, as a growing number of cities commit to net-zero building policies.
4: We hope that some utilize certification as a way to assure that their goals are met.
7: And by giving building owners a way to promote their achievements, the Net Zero Certification can help nudge the market towards sustainability. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. Learn more at
8: YaleClimateConnections.org. So how much is climate change costing you? I'm NPR Chief Meteorologist Paul Huttner. This is ClimateCast. We hear about the cost of climate change solutions, but what about the cost and risk of doing nothing? Every year, the cost of climate inertia rises. But it's not a steady curve. It's more like the trajectory of a rocket. Another five years of delay? A University of Minnesota policy brief says that's a striking $24 trillion loss in consumption. That's the equivalent of a worldwide recession. Bob Litterman helped write that brief. He's the chairman of the risk committee and advisory panel at Kepos Capital. I asked him how we are already paying for climate change.
9: There's lots of different kinds of impacts. And uh, it's certainly true that in many cases, insurance rates are going to be going up. There's going to be costs, many of which are borne by the government, which then is passed on to taxpayers. So, In recent years, you've seen sometimes uh, hundreds of billions of dollars in damages that can be attributed to climate change.
8: Bob, you write about inaction, but what sort of action can slow atmospheric warming to that 1.5 or two degrees Celsius goal where it makes the most difference?
9: If we were to put on a strong carbon tax globally today, uh, we could probably keep warming well below two degrees. But if we wait until 2030, then we're above 2 degrees C. And that may not seem like a lot, but given where we are today and what we're already seeing, for the people who are living, say, 40, 50 years in the future, when we will hit those peak temperatures, uh, another three-tenths of a degree C could mean a, a major difference in their world.
8: You mentioned a carbon tax. Uh, let's Let's boil it down to the simplest aspects for those who haven't heard of it. What is it and why do you think it would work to fight climate change?
9: The basic idea is to create the appropriate incentives to reduce emissions. Right now, there are plenty of taxes that actually incentivize both the consumption and production of fossil fuels. We've got to change that. We've got to create an appropriate incentive to reduce emissions. The simplest way is just to create a tax at the source of the fossil fuel proportional to the amount of emissions that would be created. But uh, once you impose it there, the users of that uh, fossil fuel will end up paying appropriately for the amount of pollution that they're creating. Bob, what's the most important
8: things you think people who are connected uh, to and concerned about climate change should think about when it comes to the cost of inaction?
9: What they should think about is what it means for you know their grandchildren. I think about that all the time. Sadly, we've already gone so far down this road that the world that they will live in will not be the same world that we live in. There will be massive changes to ecosystems, to human well-being, to health. So that's what they should be thinking about.
8: Bob Litterman, chairman of the Risk Committee and founding partner of Kepos Capital, thanks for sharing your economic insight today.
9: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you.
8: That's Climate Cast. I'm NPR chief meteorologist Paul Hyatt.
1: Don't forget to check out my other radio program on KUBU, Making Tracks, focusing on wildlife, nature, and environmental issues every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m., right after the climate report. And be sure to tune in Tuesdays at 1 p.m. for Radio EcoShock and the latest on science, issues, and authors dealing with climate change and the environment on a global scale. Hosted and produced by Alex Smith. Don't miss it. You're listening to KUBU, low-power FM radio in Sacramento. This is The Voice, The Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUB locally at 96.5 on your FM dial, or you can also listen to the station on the internet, accesssacramento.org. This program is The Climate Report, and I'm your host, Dale Steele, drawn weekly at This Day and Time. This program is brought to you by 350 Sacramento, a local climate action group inspired by 350.org. I'll be your host, and each program will provide you with local, regional, and national news about climate change, as well as local calendar events, interviews, and more. For more details, including past radio programs, or if you have questions or comments, please visit 350sacramento.org.
0: There may be hope, maybe even for us. We need a lot more people raising their ruckus. Start making a fuss, start giving a
1: Get out into the streets and there may be hope